Well, nice, nice to have you here as we continue our sermon series on prayer. Um, and, 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 and frankly, we're looking at a story, I, I, I won't have a whole lot of time to deal with this particular story this morning, but it happens to be one of my favorite prayer stories in the whole Bible. Um, and I, don't, I, I can't recall ever hearing anybody else speak on this passage. I, I was in my office this week going through this message, and I thought, you know, I, I, sometimes I, I like referencing back to other, other pastors, other speakers. I don't ever recall ever hearing this particular passage preached, and yet, yet it's one of my favorite in the Bible um, when, it, when it comes to this whole topic of prayer because it has some very powerful lessons and also maybe it's my personality but it's a very funny story okay you're gonna have to trust me on that one um it is a very like it's comical when you read it what happens um and we're looking at acts 12 i want to build the context for it a little bit because at the very beginning of acts 12 something not funny happens james who is uh, the brother of John, the apostle, is the second person martyred as a Christian. Um, the first is Stephen. The second is, uh, is uh, James. And James is actually slaughtered by King Herod. And what, and what, and what happens is King Herod realizes that, that he has taken this, this disciple, this apostle, he's, he's murdered him, and the, and the Jews love it. And the Jewish people just love it. In fact, if you read uh, Clement of Alexandria and Eusebius, who is a church historian, he, they, gave, they gave a story that's supposedly a true story that when James was standing in front of the accusers, that his testimony was so powerful that one of the accusers themselves became a Christian right then and there. And when they led James away to be, to be, to be killed... The accuser, as a believer, was, always set, was, was also sentenced to die with James. And they walked along and, and, and to, the, to the execution. And as they were walking along, the, ex, the, the accuser that was, you know, just become a Christian was apologizing to James, right, uh, for, for what had just happened. And the two of them were executed together. So that, this is a significant turning point. And because Herod... And because Herod is overjoyed at the reaction of the Jewish people that, over the killing of, these, of this Christian, he now goes and captures Peter and now puts Peter in jail. Okay, So James has, has been killed. Now we're looking at what happens to Peter, and we're going to read the story. We're just going to take it, and we're going to read it, and I'm just going to make some highlights, and uh, we're going to be talking about prayer. So here is the passage. Uh, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. He was, okay, he, he, technically he's going to be murdered in the morning, executed in the morning, and the guy's fast asleep. Okay? Um, would you be able to do that? I don't know. Okay? Fastened with two chains between two soldiers, others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Imagine slapping him in the side. Hey, get up. Bright light. You know, the guy's asleep. Anyway, I think that's funny. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. It's a miracle, right? But you still have to get dressed yourself. Okay. Sorry. Um, and he did. 
Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. The, guy, the angel's got to tell him how to get up. I think that's funny. You get dressed. Okay. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. You guys, like, I think with an hour's extra sleep, you'd be more alive than this. All right? Maybe. Okay. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. That's an amazing story, but it continues. Listen to this. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. John Mark, by the way, is the gospel writer Mark. He's the first one to write his gospel. So this is Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark. He, and some scholars, too, by the way, believe that the room that they're praying in was possibly where Jesus held the upper room experience in communion. Okay, so this is all connected. Uh, He knocked at the door at the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. That's hilarious, right? Listen to this. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Let me get this right. You're praying for Peter. He's at the door. You don't believe it. Okay. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. There's an understatement, right? He motioned to them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James. This is the other James, right? This is another James. It's not the same one from earlier. And the other brothers, what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion. Imagine that. Among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter, Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod uh, interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. And if you continue the story, it even tells at the end of this chapter how God judged Herod. And Herod died in a very, a very gruesome, gruesome way, you know? Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Um, it, it, in, in light of the time that we have this morning, I just want to make some really quick points about this. And we already mentioned it during the communion time. The number one point that comes out of this is prayer is the hopeful response to a hopeless situation. Or a helpless situation. When everything is looking against the Christian believers, the first thing they do is go to prayer. It's absolutely amazing that the believers are praying. James has just been murdered. Um, For all intensive purposes, the context of what is happening in the world around them, for whatever whatever, um, is, is, is the circumstances and the visuals of what is happening to the church right now, the people respond By praying. Prayer is the hopeful response in a helpless or a hopeless situation. And that has been a truth that's come down throughout the centuries. 
Um, I, 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 I love the, the fact about how this story, even, even in the mind of the early believers, highlights their own personal doubt. You know, we talked a number of weeks ago, uh, when it comes to prayer, you're always struggling with the can he versus the will he, right? That as a believer, you're going to object to me saying that sometimes um, um, you're going to doubt God. Can God actually take care of this? Can God um, know what my circumstances and situation are. That many times we pray in that way and, and we want to believe. We want to wholeheartedly say, yeah, God is all powerful. We know instinctively and we know, we, we know from, from you know, mental exercise and theology that God is perfectly capable of taking what we are offering up to him in prayer and do something about it. The second tension becomes, will he? You could be absolutely convinced that God will do it can do it, but you wonder if will he do it, right? And that's where we often struggle with our prayer lives. You know, the reality is, though, when we allow doubt, here's, here's, here's a reality. When we allow doubt to become a normal part of our prayer exercise, we are essentially already determining the outcome of our prayer. And isn't it true that, that, that all these believers are gathered together? Peter shows up at the door, and they don't want to believe it. And they don't want to believe it. Because to take the results out of God's hands, we attempt to put it back into ours. That when we doubt... What we're essentially saying is, Lord, we are in control of the outcome, not you. Which, which leads to the second point. We don't, we don't control the outcome of our prayers. We only control the shape of our prayers. God is in control of all those situations. Listen, we can strategize, we can plan, we can visualize, uh, you know, we can... You know, prioritize, we can invest, we can do all those things. But the reality is, the outcomes and the results are God's. Okay? That's, that's so difficult. Sometimes we, we, we attach so much to the outcome of the prayer that we're disappointed with God. Because we already know how we want it answered. But the reality is, is the outcome and the results belong to God. That's, that's the tension between faith and trust, isn't it? You see, faith trusts in the decisions and the plan of God. When we say by faith, we say, Lord, we want to, we want to commit this concern to you. But we know that whatever you decide is your will. Okay? How many of us say we have faith in God... And yet manage our lives as if we are totally in control of all the circumstances and the outcomes. That's the reality. I love what Bill Hybel says. I think um, uh, pastor of Willow Creek Church, he, he, he was talking about prayer in one of his messages. And he says, God always has the right answer to our requests. He says this, if the request is wrong, God will just say no. If the timing is wrong... God will say, slow down. If you are just wrong, God will say, you need to grow through this. 
And if the timing is right, God will say, okay, now, let's go. Okay? And all of us have experienced in our prayer lives, for those of you that are believers here this morning, uh, we've all experienced that in our prayer lives, where there are moments where, where God is doing something dramatically different in our lives that we could ever possibly hope or imagine. And we've, we've attached a, a conclusion, we've attached you know, a, an outcome to our prayer, and when God does something totally different that we weren't expecting, we almost think like God's off the rails. Like, what were you thinking? But whenever God answers a prayer, he, he invariably, very rare, again, very rare will God answer a prayer exactly the way you expect it to be answered. God will answer your prayer in ways unimaginable to remind you that he is the one in control of the outcome. He is the one in control of the results. Okay? Very, very, very important. You know? Um, we cannot control praying. Praying is essentially giving up control to God. That's the heart of prayer. Giving up control. Surrendering yourself. Communing with God. Hearing his voice. Having your life shaped by him. Not by your expectations or outcome. Okay? Um, and, and, and again, if, if the people praying in the room for Peter had not expected a particular outcome, I'm not sure they would have been so surprised had Peter showed up. Right? They had already allowed doubt to overwhelm them, which is, which is you know, a difficult... You know, you, you, you've, heard, you've heard about the people who... In, in other countries who asked for a, a, a prayer meeting because of the drought and, and, and they were praying for rain and no one was showing up with an umbrella, right? If you don't show up with an umbrella, what kind of faith do you have in the prayer, right? That, that, that kind of idea, you know? Um, so uh, those are two very important points. The last point, though, is, is the key thought point that I want to put it out. And here's what the key thought is. You are not finished until God says, you're finished. I want, to, I want to repeat that again. You are not finished until God says, you are finished. Look at the story again. They thought Peter was done. They thought Peter was going to end up exactly like James ended up. The reality is this. Your life is controlled and shaped by God. You either surrender to it or else... But if you don't surrender to it, many of you are going to be in a circumstance or situation where you think your life is done. There are some of you here this morning that think, I am past the point. Um, I'm no longer uh, a valuable part of the community. I'm no longer able to serve the way I want. You know, although you have all kinds of things going through your mind. You guys are mature enough, you're smart enough all in this room to know how to apply this to your lives. I don't, you know, I don't... You know, I can give you all kinds of examples because there's a million ways we can apply this, right? Many of you today feel that you're finished. You are not finished until God says you're finished. You may be a parent here this morning to think all you're doing is chasing after kids. I was really struck this morning, uh, how many of you put on your Facebook page this morning, the kids don't understand daylight savings time. 
they don't get that extra hour. Like I was really, I, I had the chuckle this morning. I don't know what I was doing on Facebook, but a number of you, you know, I, we get that, right? And, and, and all you feel like, you're, like is you're chasing, right? There are some of you who are seniors here this morning that don't feel you have anything to give. That is such a lie that the devil is just feeding you, feeding you, and feeding you with. When God says, when God whispers in your ear and says you're done, that's when you're done. Not a second sooner. And that's the big lesson that comes out of this passage this morning. Is that, the, you know, we can gather together. We can do all the religious stuff. We can do the prayerful stuff. We can do the motions of, oh, we believe in Jesus. We believe in the power of God. We believe in this and believe in that. And then when God does something really remarkable, we go, what? And we're like little Rhoda, you know, and the, 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 one, the one young believer who runs back and says, Peter's at the door. And they're saying, you're out of your mind. Because they thought Peter was done all ready. Remember, God is more interested in who you're growing to become in him than your circumstances, your situation, or even where you're going. And there are going to be moments in your life where you're going to think or you're going to imagine that God is done with you. But that's furthest thing from the truth. Here is, um, here is our memory verse For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, I love the fact that it's that that there's two, you know, a couple of very viable senses that are happening in that verse. Right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Okay? That's our message for this morning. Um, I just want to remind you that um, I, I wish we could expand on this, but in your life groups, I hope you have a, a, a wonderful time of discussion with this passage because I think many of us can relate, even though there's so much humor to this passage. The humor is really well done because it's recognizing just how much We want to doubt God when we pray. And yet we're more surprised when God shows up, even though God's been there all along. Amen? Amen. You are not finished until God says you're finished. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. I love this passage. (laughs) Love how it shows your mighty power at work and how everyone thought that Peter was done but Lord you weren't done with Peter and in the midst of all of it we can be reminded that you are active you are powerful you want to do impossible things in our lives But so often we allow those doubtful things, those shameful things, those those earthly things to come in the way and, and not allow us to see with eyes of faith that are trusting you for the next step. And when it doesn't have the outcome that that we can be guilty of, 
of attaching to it sometimes, that we can realize you have a better plan, you have a bigger plan, you have a bigger purpose for us. And what an incredible ride it is when our lives are wholly surrendered to you and we enjoy it as you continue to lead us and walk us through the next steps in our life. So, Lord, allow us to continue to be mindful of this as we pray. And we thank you that you continue to lead this church and guide us and the leadership of this church so that we can honor you in all that we do. And we thank you in Jesus and in his name alone. Amen.